0: Ladies and gentlemen, if you know me, you know that I love martial arts. It's one of my top passions in life. And my buddy TJ has a fantastic clothing company called Detroit Boxing Company. All their gear, all their t-shirts, their hoodies, their hats, everything is super, super comfy. And flip side of the coin, I also feel like I could throw a jab cross, hook way better when I wear one of those shirts. I don't know what's going on and the magic that they put in that shirt. Small disclaimer that the shirts do not give you any additive power when you are wearing the shirt. Please be informed that this is just a simple t-shirt made of cotton and other materials. There is no magic effects. And I swear that that does something to my combinations. TJ is a fantastic human being and he's putting out a lot of great product. If you want to scoop yourself up a shirt, a hoodie, make sure you check him out. Detroit Boxing Company dot com. Use the code word CoreyCast at the checkout to save yourself some additional coin. That's right, DetroitBoxingCompany.com. dot com. Code word CoreyCast, all one word, to save yourself a little moolah. Shelly Hoffman is a woman that wears many hats. She is a mom, a friend, a community leader. She's a real estate agent with 315 Realty Partners out of Baldwinsville, New York. And uh, she even hosts her own podcast called Real Estate I Love It with Shelly Hoffman. She is a woman with her finger on the pulse of her community. And I learned a lot from this conversation. She has been in business for quite some time, and she has developed all these different business strategies that I'm for sure going to use in my own business. She gave me uh, different techniques, different strategies, uh, how she runs her business, and I learned a lot about her from this conversation. Not only just her business, but also her personal and, you know, I've heard Shelley Hoffman's name a couple times turn around in the the real estate community. But it was really nice getting to, to sit down with her for an hour, getting to learn more about her and uh, how she does business. It was an eye-opening experience, and I was really glad that I got the opportunity to sit down and talk with her. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you take away some different business practices even if it's not real estate. Maybe you find that what Shelly does with her videos is something that you could do as well and you don't have to be a real estate agent. I I won't give you too much information because I want you to listen to this episode because Shelly is a fantastic human being. So here is my friend Shelly Hoffman.
1: Well, hey, Corey, my name is Shelley Hoffman, and I am a local uh, real estate broker with my own company called Hard Home and Community, which is a community-based company uh, that does some property management. And I'm also the associate broker co- co-owner of Three and Five Realty Partners right here in the uh, village of Baldwinsville.
0: Hey, so, with Tracy Klein, right? Yep. Tracy's- I love that woman. Place. She's so kind.
1: <laughs> well, she's kind, she's smart, and she's also a cutthroat. So you got to watch what side you stay on. She's, she works hard, very, very hard for her clients.
0: Yeah, she does. That was, I did a deal with her um, last year, actually, when things started to, uh, no, it was uh, end of 2020 when things started to open up a little bit more. And she was a sweetheart to work yeah. with. I couldn't believe it.
1: Well, you know what I think it is, Corey, when you know your stuff, you know the contracts, you know you know the, the rules and you know business, it makes for a very easy cooperative uh, transaction, like everybody knows what needs to happen. So, um, so again, I uh, was happy when Tracy wanted to go into business with me because she was somebody that I respected when I first got into the industry. Uh, And the fact that she wanted to partner up, I tell everybody, it was like a a dream come true for me, but we have have our strengths and we have our weaknesses and we kind of complement each other. So it's working out well.
0: That's cool. And how long have you been in real estate for?
1: I'm going on six years. So I, um, I've always been that person that bought a house. Like my first house was a foreclosure house that we lived in for five years, lived in it, worked on it, sold it for almost twice what we paid for it. So it's always that almost dream. When you meet a first time home buyer that says, I want to buy a foreclosure. I want to fix it up. I want to sell it for more back right. when I did it in the early nineties, I think it was a little bit easier possibly than it is now because of all the HGTV people getting into flip houses, you know, mm-hmm. type thing. But,
0: yeah, that seems to be the the sticking point right now. Pottery barn-esque like <laughs> thing, you know what I mean? Uh, and how long have you been in the business for? Uh,
1: just over six years.
0: Six years. What was it that attracted you to real estate?
1: Uh, you know, I teach the new salesperson's class now. So we ask that question. And it's interesting to hear the uh, the responses, which I can go back to my class and hear myself saying, you know, people told me that I would be good at it. Uh, I have a lot of, I was a PTA president, pretty involved in the kids' lives. So even though I'd only been in our area 10 years, uh, I had a pretty good network of um, relationships with people. So they said that, but at the end of the day, it came down to me as I was a stay-at-home mom who needed to go back to work and was kind of used to being there for my kids' lunches, uh, if they had a play at school, parent teacher conferences. So I wanted something that was going to give me that flexibility. As you know, there's not nearly as much flexibility as, you know, we think there's going to be, in the right. business, but that was what attracted me to it.
0: Yeah. I was the same way. I was, I worked in retail and what attracted me was like, Oh, you can make your own schedule. You can kind of buy. And that's some of it's true, but a lot of times you're kind of at the mercy of your client's schedule too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We work when they don't. So, you know, it's how we accommodate them. But
0: right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And um, when you first got into business, were you friends with Tracy? Did you click with her immediately?
1: So let's go back to PTA. Uh, Tracy's son, Griffin, was a year younger than my son, Jordan. And then I have two younger daughters. So, uh, again, Tracy was in real estate at that time. So, but she could come to different PTA events. So we, we met through the kids basically. Uh, and she was at, um, you know, she was at uh, Remax at the time and I was starting at Remax. So our bond just kind of grew and she is one of the top agents in my opinion, in our area. So she was able to say, Hey, Shelly, would you, can I refer a, a person to you? So my very first listing was actually somebody that called Tracy and Tracy said, Shelly, do you want to go on this appointment? And I did. So, um, uh, I can actually thank her for my very first transaction. So Nice. Yeah.
0: And when you first got started, uh, were you full time into real estate, or were you juggling other other things?
1: No, I was full time because again, I was a stay at home mom mm-hmm. and uh, just trying to figure out another source of income to come in. So I went, I went full force into real estate.
0: How did you make that shift from being a stay at home mom to then being in the career world? Like, how did you stay motivated every day?
1: Uh, I wanted to pay my bills. Um, <laughs> yep, <you don't
0: mind. laughs> same. Nope, same. <laughs> the fear of not being able to pay a bill. You're like, I'm not a client today.
1: <laughs> because, you know, you don't, you do not get paid at the end of the work week. You get paid at the end of the transaction. So,
0: Right. with How many times do you have a buyer come up to you and is like, how does the pay work? Do I just give you like twenty bucks every showing? Like, how does this work?
1: And I say, is that a thing? Can you can you actually do that? Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Other agents are doing that. Wait a second.
1: Wait, let me go back and look. Um, well, when they say, you know, at first time uh, when we have those buyer consultations, and they ask how it works. You know, you you say typically, you know, the seller in our area, the seller typically pays. Uh, my fees at the closing table is what I tell them. Yep. So but obviously if you're going to get into the buyer's agreement, you know, if you're looking for a FISBO, which is a for sell by owner, as you know, you know, different things can come up, but I would say majority of the time um, I'm working for, for you, but the pay is going to come at the closing table from the selling side.
0: Right. Right. And when you first got into real estate, was there anything that took you by surprise, like something that you weren't expecting?
1: I don't really, I don't really think so. Uh, Mainly because I've moved 14 times prior to even getting into real estate. So I've always been on the other side and I've had, you know, again, on the vesting, I was a landlord already at the point that I got my real estate Mm -hmm. license. So it was just, uh, if you remember when you went through the class, it's to pass the test, right? Department of state to make sure that, you know, the code of ethics and the rules and all that, uh, licensing law. So that was new because when you get out into the real world, uh, what you learn in that salesperson class comes into play. But but really, a lot of the, the code mm-hmm. of ethics is common sense. It's courtesy. It's treating people honestly and fairly. Licensing law, it all kind of makes sense. But when you look at the big picture of it, it was a lot of information that I didn't realize real estate professionals were doing behind the scenes. So yeah, I didn't me.
0: realize how much. I would say that was the one thing I wasn't expecting was how much people are doing behind the scenes because my wife and I, we had bought uh, our house in 2016. And two years later, I became an agent. I worked with, uh, our agent was uh, Ella Fannin. And I did not realize how hard that woman worked behind the scenes of everything. But it's, it's awesome because then you get a different perspective on yeah. on what she did for us, literally the entire transaction.
1: You know what's interesting too, Corey, is people who uh, who hang out with you a lot, whether it's a family friend or a relative or in my case, someone that I'm dating and they realize what's all involved because they went through the process as a buyer or a seller. But then when they're listening to the phone calls, the emails that are coming in. But I have a funny story. If you you know want me to share it with you about this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You,
1: you know that normally in every transaction, there's usually one person. It can be the real estate agent. It can be the buyer, the seller, the attorney, the home inspector. But there's usually one person if you rate um, who created just a little bit of conflict or a ripple or something in the transaction? It doesn't go smooth from the beginning to the end. There's usually one person different in every transaction. And I was having a conversation with someone and he kept saying, No, mine's fine. Nobody, no, nobody. Everything went really smooth. And finally, he went, Oh, I, I was the person who had created <laughs> yeah.
0: this. Was a buyer that you were working with? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And he wasn't
1: quiet. I was talking to him out and about and, you know, you get out there, people want to talk real estate. and We love talking real estate. So and I don't even know how the topic came up. But I said, well, usually there's there's one piece of it that doesn't click or doesn't flow. And he's like, no, no, everything was really good with ours. And then he paused. But, oh, yeah, I made a lot of phone calls. Yeah, there was a lot of emails that I sent. <laughs> Which is really cute.
0: That's funny. <laughs> That's so funny. When uh, you got into real estate, were you expecting all that background work, or because you had already done all this before, maybe you had an idea?
1: Uh, not really. I I pretty much was that client who allowed my real estate agent to do most of the legwork. Like I waited mm-hmm. for her to call me and tell me, uh, you know, what the home inspection negotiations were, what the um, the counter offer was. Um, you know, she would keep me, the the agent, most of my transactions were in uh, Pittsburgh. And I, the agent that I used was a woman named Marianne and she was really good at communicating. So I think the one thing I learned from her is just communicate, communicate, communicate. And, um, and then it does make it go a little bit smoother. So every time I worked with her, there was so much communication from her that, I didn't really have to do a whole lot of uh, digging. I could sit back, go to my regular job, take care of the kids, you know, family events, and she just kept me informed of every step of the way, which was nice.
0: Yeah, kind of, kind of keep you in the loop on what the uh, the pathway to closing is is kind of nice to have, right? Uh, now, knowing what you know now, what is one piece of advice you'd give brand new green Shelly into real estate?
1: Ah. Uh... I I think to set up better boundaries, honestly, Mm. you text me at 10 o'clock, you get a response at 10 o'clock. If you text me at 6am, you get a response at 6am. And I, um, I tell often in the salesperson class that I teach that, you know, sometimes at 10am or 10pm, I apologize. It can be a text just to set the ease that says, uh, completely understand where you're coming from. We'll talk tomorrow. Whereas when I first got my license, I would be texting until close to midnight to talk somebody who was trying to figure out the moving, how to coordinate the movers with the closing date. That's unknown, right? Cause it's on. Right. Or about. Uh, so really just setting up boundaries. I would be at a, my son's basketball game and I would be on my phone. So just that personal, personal space boundary a little bit more for somebody new. Most now, how do
0: you set that boundary?
1: Setting up the expectations to the beginning. So, uh, again, if any of my, my clients or your clients are watching this podcast or listening to it, it's really when you first sit down and say, if I don't get back to you right away, it's not because I, I don't care or because I'm not paying attention. Either I'm with another appointment or one of my children uh, need me. And the one change that I made was my kids all have hearts next to their name in my contacts.
0: Mm-hmm. So I
1: set up at the very beginning that I look at my phone for a heart. And if there's a heart there, it will get my attention just because it means it's one of my kids.
0: Interesting. That's, that's a cool Would you like also time block like family time in your calendar?
1: No, no. Cause I don't have, uh, I've never had a, a family schedule time. We eat dinner anywhere from 4 PM to 7 PM based mm-hmm. on um, my one, my 17 year old has two jobs. My 15 year old just started a job. They've had different sports, different activities. So I wouldn't be able to block family time. If I tried, I'd probably be right. sitting at home by myself. Yeah.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. That's for one thing. Uh, but Donna, uh, Donna Jordan was my mentor. And when I first got in the business, she was like, if you guys need time on the weekend, she's like block out two hours, family time, make sure you put in your calendar so you don't schedule something. Cause the first time somebody reaches out to me, I pull (laughs) up my Google calendar and see if I'm available. Right. And then I'm a dude, I'm going to forget that we're supposed to go apple picking this weekend. You know what I mean? So it was like one of those tips. I was like, Hmm. That's nice. Who, th- who would have thought scheduling family time?
1: No, you need to, you do. Right. And it's just an appointment, right? It's just right. as not so when, when somebody calls, you don't, you may say, depending on your relationship, I'm going apple picking with my wife and my kids because that client may appreciate it, but you might have, like I have some investors who are just hardcore where I would just say I have an appointment and they don't know that I'm apple picking. They're not yeah. following me on Facebook, of course. They have no idea what I did in that two hour right. time
0: period. Right. And again, that's it comes back to uh, setting your boundaries, right? Making sure you don't divulge too much of your personal information because more times than not. I mean, how many times are you getting clients reaching out to you from like Zillow or realtor.com or calling you from seeing your face on a sign?
1: I will say, um, and again, it's only been six years in the business, but I, when I first got my license, most of my leads came from Zillow and I was going to Oswego a lot. I put 56,000 miles on my car in the first year.
0: Whoa. Holy cow.
1: I couldn't do that now with the price of gas, but you know, back when I got my license. And so I pretty much have established myself in my community so that most of my leads and my referrals come from within probably 10, 10 miles of where I live in the brokerage, which is nice. Not that I still don't go out to Woolcott or North Rose, uh, to work with past clients or anybody else that calls me to your point, but I'm definitely not putting 56,000 miles on my car anymore. Thank goodness.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. I, I would, uh, I would agree with you on the, because like when, uh, I first started in the business, I would take any and every deal that I could and I was driving an hour to show a house. And ever since my son was born, uh, two years in April, yeah, we two years in a while. That's crazy to say. Um, I really had to like kind of refocus a little bit, like where I was spending my time. And back how in the day, long? I well, my I mean, first year, if you came to me and wanted to see houses and didn't have a pre approval, I would be like, okay, I'll waste my time on you. And then guess what? They couldn't afford the house, and I went, ended up driving around, but I, I had nothing else going on.
1: Right. Well, how long have you been in the business?
0: uh since may of
1: 2018 and and to your to your point when people say that it also takes time to develop the skills to ask the right questions the Mm. leading questions to really find out so you could probably in the first few five to ten minutes of conversation now know if it's going to be someone who's ready not ready or going to be ready soon or they're just never probably going to be be ready right whereas when you first start you have no idea and you're super eager to help people and get out there and do it so
0: yeah, set your boundaries, know where your limits are because you don't want to, you don't want to break yourself in the first year of this yeah. job. It's hard enough as is, right? Your first year you're trying to build up business, right? Right. Is that and how you there, built your business was using Zillow that first year?
1: It was, I had, um, you know, what people may not know is you will pay, um, pay for those leads to come in and the return on investment was there. So, you know, in any business that you do, any advertising that you do, you have to know if the return on investment is worth you know, investing that money. And for the first year, year and a half, it definitely was. Even though the wear and tear on my car was bad, it allowed me to build up knowledge. It gave me some more skills and it gave me a uh, review base. So when mm-hmm. somebody um, who didn't find me on Zillow, who just did an online search for a realtor in you know central New York, I had had you know, 15 reviews come in in my first year and a half. So now instead of people looking at me as a new real estate professional, they just saw that I was somebody that had 15 reviews that came in. Um, right. So they see that as experience. So it definitely paid to, to go through Zillow. And I still, I, I still would consider going on Zillow if I needed to uh, increase my, my flow or my transactions. But luckily right, right now, uh, I'm doing pretty well with just referrals.
0: Able to like balance everything okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did
0: uh? So the the business model went from Zillow leads to now just like nurturing your center of influence,
1: right? And honestly, Corey, I did the Tom Ferry program. I'm sure. Oh yeah, wondering. I love him. Yep. So nice I guy. had gone down to the summit in uh, that one was in Florida, I believe, and I met a woman named Deborah West, and she was part of the Tom Ferry program. So I think I worked with Deborah for about a year and a half. And that's where a lot of uh, systems came into to place. And the way the return on, um, she was the one that said, get on Zillow. Um, because again, even though I had the sphere of uh, influence from PTA and stuff, they knew that I was new in the business. And it's a huge investment when someone's asking you to help them sell their home. And at that point, it was, it would have been a lot more listings. Right. They're kind of saying, I trust you here, but I really hope you can do the job. Yeah. Um, so they're more inclined to refer you to someone else. So let's just say that you and I are friends. I'm in the industry, you're not, but we've been friends for 10 years. You go to sell your house. You want to use me, you might struggle because, you know, I've only been in the industry for three months, but you, your buddy Brian selling his house. So you might mention to Brian, oh, Shelly Hoffman's in the industry. So a lot of times you're, who you're targeting, they may not use you in the beginning, but they have a sphere around them. And that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to get the experience through Zillow to share with my core. So then they'd feel comfortable referring me out. And then they'd get to the point where they would refer me as well. And that's kind of where I am now.
0: Well, with all those people now in your database, how do you stay in touch with your, your SOI?
1: I, well, since my SOI is pretty much my community, I just go to a lot of community events. I pretty much have fun is what I do. Yeah. I go to coffee talks and networking and um, I host things when possible, Mm, just pop into businesses. And I don't even consider it networking or or touching clients like I teach in some of the classes that I that I have. I really just enjoy my life. And I just it's an it's more of a natural flow. So, again, if that ever changes, I do have strategies to go back out. But I'm still a postcard person. I oh, have, you
0: like postcards?
1: I do. I have the company that I mentioned to you called Heart Home and Community. I do a monthly calendar of all the events happening in Baldwinsville. Wow. So I put it on social media and then I also put it on a postcard and send it out to about 700 homes in the area with just some real estate information on the back and then the community events on the front.
0: So that's cool. And you do that every month, you said?
1: I do it every month. Yeah.
0: Wow. Is it one neighborhood or is it literally everybody in Bald- Baldwinsville?
1: The calendar is. Yeah. Because it goes on social media, uh, oh. it, it goes all over. And then the the calendar itself is basically within the village um, of Baldwinsville. But there's a lot of people. The village is growing. So I would love to do that direct direct mail through the post office. But I think that's you know probably like $2,000 to send out. I, guess I know. I was just thinking how like expensive that would be
0: right. That'd be a big budget you need.
1: Yep. But it's, but it is, but to to that point, Corey, it's fun. It's, it's much more fun than calling back Zillow leads to do it that way. And it, um, it just, the people that I send the postcards to may never use me as a real estate professional, but at least they know I'm in the industry. They know I love talking about it. Um, And I feel like I'm helping the community and having fun at the same time. So it's just a win all the way around for me.
0: Did now, how long have you been in Baldwin'sville for?
1: So I moved to Baldwinsville when, uh, when the kids and I and my ex-husband came up in 2010, we lived over in Radisson. And then I moved to the village in 2020. But Mm -hmm. when I went through my divorce in 20, 2016, 20, like it took a while because we weren't really in a hurry. So, but I would say in 2016, when I got my real estate license, I started, I joined the chamber I had always wanted to be a member of the Rotary Club in Baldwinville, which is a great um, community service club. Just just fun people. And then uh, the church that I belong to. So I I just to offset, you know, going through a divorce, I just kind of jumped into community activities. Mm. And that's where it seemed it seemed real from there. I was just having fun. I was meeting people again. I was new in the industry. So it's not like people were saying, hey, sell my house. I want to help you buy a house. It didn't matter. I was getting to know people. And I was just expanding my knowledge base about Baldwinsville in general, which does help me with my buyers and sellers.
0: Yeah, Rotary Club is great to get involved with, especially if you're a real estate agent. I mean, you can network with different businesses and meet electricians and plumbers and all local different companies. How many people were on the Baldwinsville Rotary? Well,
1: I I haven't kept count lately. There used to be like 65 of us, It's um, but I'll tell you what it's growing. And part of it is because people think of the rotary as, you know, an older club and we've really brought in younger. I like to think that I'm one of the younger people, Corey, but I'm really not. Um, <laughs> we have some of our meetings, we have club in the pub. So if you, let's say that you want to be a part or just learn about rotary instead of necessarily coming to a formal meeting, you could come to club in the pub with me and you could meet some of the people that are there have more of a chit chat kind of conversation to get the feel for it. But we did last Friday, our club did a visual for, um, you know, everything going on in the world. And I would say maybe 15 Rotarians showed up, but there was probably 40 people that were just part of the community that came. So they're really good about just outreach in Baldwinsville community. So that's, that's, that's why I love the club.
0: That's cool. And you seem to, since you love like putting together and hosting different things, do you do like client appreciation nights for clients?
1: Funny you say that. Our brokerage is called 315 Realty Partners. And on 315 March 15th, we have client appreciation night at Pizza Man Pub
0: nice so, mm-hmm.
1: yeah uh, luke delia who owns uh pizza man with his brother jimmy is one of the agents that works with us so it's a win-win we get to hang out at luke's establishment and we get to uh see our clients past and present
0: nice that is cool i love pizza man pizza it's delicious everything there is so good and mm-hmm. they've always uh my uh my wife grew up in baldwinsville and she's always taught at a, at a school infinity dance academy is right by napa in the yep. village yes. and pizza man has done a lot of fundraisers for them. They are a great company. It's an awesome mm-hmm. place to get pizza from.
1: Yeah. And it's family owned. So, you know, Oh, that's
0: even it. better. I didn't even know that.
1: Yeah. Yep. Their dad and mom were the original pizza man, pizza woman. And then Jimmy and uh, Luke took over it. I don't know how many years ago, but it's been since i moved here in the last 10. So.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So now Shelly Hoffman has a great business running Do you have like every day, do you have a very like strict regimen? Like when you wake up in the morning, you meditate and then write in a journal and then stretch and like call five people. Like, is it that regimented?
1: It starts that way every January 1st. And then by January 7th, (laughs) it's done.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. I feel you.
1: No, the biggest thing in the morning is just getting the kids situated off to school and then and from that point, I look at my calendar, the calendar, you know, again, when I did Tom Ferry coaching, it was schedule your time, block it off. If it's not on your calendar at the beginning of the day, you shouldn't be doing it. And I just read a social media post about this, I think yesterday. And I want to meet the person who manages to do that. Um, just because, you know, in my experience, and I don't know about you, Corey, but you never know what phone call is going to come in. And that mm-hmm. phone call could literally change the course of your your day. So I have the set things that I have to do. And then I have, you know, the open windows, but you know, you get that phone call. I've, I've had this happen a couple of times where a seller says, I can't find my keys. The only key I have to my house is in the lockbox. So even though you didn't have an appointment, you're now running out to yep. you know Liverpool and unlocking a door so that your seller can get into their house because they lost their keys. How, how do you plan for that? You know, and you yep. can't say, I'm sorry, you're not on my schedule today. I will help you tomorrow.
0: Yep. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's funny because, uh, Like my friends don't totally understand, like they kind of have an idea now how my schedule works because they'll, they'll say something like, Hey, you want to go play disc golf with us this weekend? And I'm like, guys, it's Wednesday. I kind of need some of my day Saturday open, but I don't have anything booked yet. they're like, what do you mean? You're not booked yet? Then, then book up like book, but I'm like, I gotta, I gotta make sure I have time for those unexpected things that pop up. Right. You know, I'm usually like the last minute, like, Hey, are you guys out? I'll I'll come meet you right now. You know, I'm like, usually that Mm -hmm. kind of. That kind of oh, those
1: those worked the, the best. And the, again, the first year when I'm when you're chasing everything, you're trying to figure it out. I remember we had a girls' night at Potter's Pub over in Radisson for dinner, just celebrating, you know, something that happened in the group of friends I hang out with. And I sat at the table putting together a purchase offer on my phone in and and they're, and they're like, "You almost done, Are you almost done." I'm like, "I'm getting there." And then you submit the offer, and then you wait the 20 minutes because this wasn't multiple offers, so sometimes you got a counter back, you know, that mm-hmm. night. So you wait, you get the counter offer and, um, and then you call your client. So the whole time I, I was, my body was at the table, right. Right. But, but mentally I was, I was still in real estate. So they laugh at me, you know, like, are yeah. you with us or are you still working? And
0: yep. yeah, I've been trying to get better about, uh, putting like my phone face down or something, but sometimes like I'm still get, because like, especially in this market, if I don't ha- like, if somebody texts me a house at night at like six o'clock, And if I don't get the response until like when I get home at like 10, all the showings are booked already. It's like, (laughs) Jesus, I can't even like have dinner and relax for a second. You know, it's like you get the text message. You got to get moving immediately. You know. So uh, you said you also teach classes too?
1: I do. I teach for the board, the GSAR. Uh, I teach the new salesperson class. I taught the commercial uh, investing course uh, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. I teach the agency part of the course in the beginning. And then kind of sporadic whenever uh, Danielle... Puts me on the schedule. I teach those as well. Interesting. and Interesting.
0: How did you get into that?
1: Well, when so I'm a teacher. I was an eighth grade English teacher for a while. I was an IT trainer. I, I think I told you I've moved a lot. Yeah. So so every time I moved right, uh, 14 times.
0: Yep.
1: And sometimes it was just you know not too far you know maybe just the house change or something, but when I've changed locations, I've also changed careers just because mm-hmm. I think it's kind of fun. So I taught eighth grade for a couple of years down in the Carolinas. I did IT training for a home health agency in the Pittsburgh area for a while. So when I was sitting in the real estate course back in 2016, uh, Tony Prince, who you might know, he's Howard. Yeah. Hanna, t- Tony and I sat okay. next to each other. We took the class together and I said to Tony, I'm going to teach this class someday. And Tony took one of my internet courses recently. And he's like, I always knew I, you'd end up being on the other side of the table for me one day. So, I
0: love that. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Tony's a great guy. I love that guy. Yeah. He's, he's a sweetheart of a man.
1: Yeah. He was, Um, you know, and you know, he wasn't sure if he was ever going to do it full-time or part-time, but I'll, I'll tell you what he's just, to me, he's, he's kicking it out of the park. He's just, yeah. um, and it's the way he treats people. He's just very mm-hmm. uh, forward. He's very honest. He comes a- across as approachable. So there was not a doubt in my mind that Tony would be a rock star in our industry.
0: Very genuine. Yes. It's very genuine. You know, when I talk to Tony, I feel like it's talking to my uncle, like a really cool dude that you respect a lot. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> That's like the best way I can explain Tony. Tony's like a cool uncle. <laughs> I
1: can see that. And I mean, yeah. he's too close to my age for me to think of his uncle. He'd probably kick me. If <laughs> that, but...
0: When, when you teach, do, um, you have like a, like a strict class plan that you, that you set?
1: Well, when you're teaching a, a course like the uh, salesperson class, or eventually I want to teach the GRI classes, they are set by the department. Oh you, you absolutely have to set it uh, because there's requirements that the Department of State says comes along with that. So they give you the slides. There's not a lot of opportunities to be creative. I do want to teach a course on advertising. Because I'm sure you see on social media, some people, when they make their posts, they do, you know, the brokerage that they're at, the information's all there. So there are rules, according to the Department of State, that we have to hit in every social media post. And sometimes I look at posts and, you know, it looks like it's... um, it's, um, I don't want to use a real name. I'm trying to think of like, I want to say Scott Smith, but for all I know, there's so many realtors in our area. that yeah, be right. there. Right. But uh, so John Doe, and it doesn't say what brokerage he's with or anything like that. And that's a violation of Department of State. Me personally, I don't care. I just wouldn't want that fine to come across to him in the broker. So I thought it would be interesting to teach an advertising class that I can be as creative as I want. I can create my own slides. The content has to be approved by the Department of State for uh, CE credits just oh, so okay. you're getting credit for your time. But right. that's something that I've talked to Danielle about writing. And um, cause I did write curriculum back when I was an IT trainer and an eighth grade teacher. So I do know how to write the curriculum.
0: That's cool. Did you have to go through like a, uh, a special certification course to be able to teach?
1: So there is a course called ITI uh, Institute. I'm not going to Roseanne Farrell and J man taught it. Um, oh
0: my God. Roseanne Farrow is awesome.
1: Yeah. She's and, a rock star. Yeah, she's she's great. And then and J-Man is too. He, uh, he's out of Rochester. But and then there's a curriculum course as well that uh, I haven't taken that one yet. I didn't want to take it via Zoom. So I don't need you don't need to take either one of those courses. But I I strongly recommend taking those courses. Uh, and then I, yeah, that,
0: I missed the other one. What was the other one?
1: Uh, it, it's, it's I don't know if the abbreviation or the acronym for it is, but it's a curriculum writing course. Oh, OK. And then there are requirements that you um, kind of like to get your broker's license. You have to have so many sales and things under your belt to be an instructor um, that's uh, recognized by the state of New York, the Department of State. You have to have so, so many hours of teaching. Like I have a teaching degree from Penn State, so that counted for so many hours towards the teaching, mm-hmm. um, that, that kind of stuff. And then uh, letters of recommendation. But um,
0: When did you uh, start doing all the teaching?
1: I started teaching um, farming through Facebook was the first one. It was one of those IT classes that they hold uh, monthly at the GSAR. So there's there was no CE credit to it. It was just like a tech training kind of a course just That's to kind great. of teach people how to use to create ads in Facebook and to reach out to people, you know, create your sphere, kind of like mm-hmm. your Facebook farm. Right. And I started teaching that probably uh, three, three years ago. I taught that. And then right after that is when I took the ITI course with Roseanne and J man. And I, um, instant that was the first class that I taught myself. There's a matrix. I don't know if you remember taking matrix one when you got your license, everybody's I did. It
0: was with Martin Carpenter.
1: Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, um, so Core Logic has three classes as well that they teach: Matrix One, Two, and Three. And they, so I would shadow Bill in case Bill couldn't come up from Buffalo because they were in person.
0: Right. If Bill
1: couldn't make it, I would teach that for him. But now mm-hmm. that it's on Zoom, uh, Bill doesn't need coverage anymore.
0: So those that's were the two from, uh, first things I taught. What was that? that was those a- were the
1: first two classes that I taught.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. That's for me. That's like some some future goals I would like to be. Uh teaching different classes. I've always really enjoyed teaching and sharing ideas. I think that's one of the coolest things that somebody could do, especially uh, there's just so much information in real estate. And you were right. Like the courses don't really, I feel like didn't teach me much, taught me a lot about like the dictionary and the vocabulary and the ODA oh, chapters of fair housing. But it's, there's something about being able to, uh, to teach in front of a, a bunch of your peers and help them improve that I find very satisfying.
1: Yeah. And the salesperson class, we say from day one, the, the uh, orientation day where they kind of meet myself, uh, Randy Templeman teaches and Chris Thielen, that it's not about teaching how to do the job. It's teaching you how to keep your license and how to keep, mm-hmm. help your broker keep their license. So basically I say it's like when, remember the no child left behind, everybody had to pass the test. Right. That's what the salesperson's course is like. It's really teaching you to pass that department of state test and that class test.
0: So Shelly, then how do you learn how to sell real estate?
1: That's up to your broker. Mm-hmm. So once you once you get your license and you get your sponsoring broker, you know, you interview. I'm sure I'm not sure if Howard Hanners is the only brokerage that you spoke with, but technically we say go out and interview, find somebody who matches you if you feel that. Um, you want to mentor, make sure they have a mentoring program. If you want to be in an office and somebody, you know, sit with you and show you, make sure you talk to a broker who will sit with you and show you the the ropes that way. So it's not, you know, as you know, real estate, it's not one size fits all. Every brokerage has its pluses, its minuses, its strengths, its weaknesses. So we tell people go out and explore and find what's right for you.
0: And also too, like working with clients. Sometimes uh, I'll work with a client that might not like working with me, but loves working with Shelly. And it could just be a matter of just didn't like my personality, you know, it's the same with brokers, find a broker, find a real estate agent that you want to work with. Right.
1: Yep. Yeah. I mean, it really is a, uh, it's a relationship, you know, agent, it's an agency relationship, which is kind of a binding relationship, but it really is. And you wouldn't stay in any other relationship if you weren't happy. So why stay in uh, one with a brokerage or a real estate professional um, as a buyer or as a seller, Um, you might have a contract that has to expire first, but, but it is a relationship.
0: Right. In each, so are you looking for this year? Are you looking to grow your business or just to maintain the level that it was at?
1: So I'm, I'm a little bit unique in how I run my my business, which is why Trace Tracy's hardcore. I mean, her numbers are through the roof.
0: Yeah, she literally is like the top ten agents in series. I think
1: she's amazing. I think she ended up being like sixteen or fourteen this year out of all. Almost 2,000 agents, right? God, that's insane. I know. And I keep saying she wants to work with me, Corey. We're actual partners. I don't understand it. I thought about having her go talk to somebody professionally, but then I decided against it and I just went with it, right? Yeah. Um, But but I'm not the hardcore. I'm never going to be that person who wants these top numbers. I want to work with people that I'm enjoying myself with. But I run Airbnbs. I run, like I said, the community company that I enjoy. I'm renovating um, a house. I want to get into flipping. So I find different ways for the passive income from real estate to come in as well. it's just what is completely what I enjoy. I bought a house thinking that I would turn it into a bed and breakfast. Turns out I'm not a big fan of other people staying in my house, other than my cousin's daughter who's living with me right now. She's a sweetheart, <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do that. But right. <laughs> so I just have fun. I really think that life should be like ebb and flow, and um, and that's kind of so the next chapter of, of my life is still is always going to revolve around real estate, but just what other opportunities. And this is what I, you know, I talk about people um, when they find their niche. What other opportunity, what other doors is real estate opening for you? And do you want to walk through it?
0: Interesting. Interesting. So if somebody comes to you um, and says they're trying to find their niche, how, what advice would you give them?
1: Well, I would ask them what, what do they enjoy talking about? What do they enjoy researching? You know, if you like researching a lot, that's more of an an investment piece of it. You know, if you're, if somebody tells you that I'm looking to to purchase a building, I'm to uh, purchase a business, um, maybe an apartment complex, you need to know about capitalization rate. You need to know, is that a good investment for that person? What's the cash on cash return? Those types of things. So if you love that piece of it, if you love just, you know, going into homes and helping people figure out, uh, is it a solid house? Is it, um, is there changes you can make to the layout? You know, then maybe you're going to be like a buyer's agent. Do you love the education piece of it? If so, maybe you want to work with first time home buyers. So it's really what do you enjoy and how do you incorporate that into the industry for yourself? Are you um, somebody that's in construction coming into the industry? Do you want to get your foot in the door, get some income coming in, and then take that income turning into flipping homes or buy and hold uh, investment properties? Would you know, everybody's going to be a little bit different, but it usually winds up being about a 25, 35 minute conversation.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it's always, everybody has their own niche in this business. It's so cool. Everybody has their own like uh, sphere of influence, right? So I feel like everybody, as long as you use that to kind of leverage it, you can uh, really build a business. And as long as you just keep in contact, right? Like that's, that's my goals for this year is like trying to figure out different unique ways that I can stay in touch with past clients and friends and family and stuff like that. Um,
1: and, and there's no right or wrong way to do it. Like, I also run a work share, and development here in um, Baldwinsville. So I connect with people that way. I have someone calling me at two thirty because she wants to uh, she doesn't want an office space, but she needs a private place to meet with uh, clients. So that's one of the things that I offer. I have a couple you know, a couple commercial properties that I, I just keep an office to the side. So when somebody needs a place to, to meet, it's you know, it's not a long term lease that they have to sign. It's more like a gym, cool. gym membership type of a thing.
0: Nice. Sorry, well then maybe I'll be coming to you maybe one day when this podcast blows up and I need a studio. I'll need I'm, in, I'm, in a,
1: I'm in a little space right now. I'm not going to lie. Like I have my real estate. I love it. And if I turn my thing here, that my podcast for hard Home and Communities right here.
0: That's so, so, and then cool. for
1: a while, my church was doing their stuff in here. So I'll turn it this way.
0: Nice. Mm-hmm.
1: So That's, I love this little corner.
0: Your podcast too. I, and I will admittedly say, I've not had a chance to listen to it because I did not know the name of it. Until now, but what is that podcast all about?
1: So when I was at Remax, I had, you know, uh, you know, different mentors and people that I talked to that said, you need to have like a tattling, you need to have a slogan, uh, you know something that stands out, and I can think of some amazing ones of people in our industry around us that you know, like like I think of Bob Kane, and he has his dog, and I mean his dog, unfortunately, is not with him anymore. But oh,
0: I know it's, it's heartbreaking, <laughs> isn't it?
1: I know. So, but you know, but so if if people are trying to remember who he is, you know, they think of the dog, and automatically I go to Bob Bob Kane when I think of that, mm-hmm. right? So anyway, so I was working with Deborah West from Tom Ferry and, you know, we were just talking about different things. And I was already very involved in the community. Obviously, I'm in real estate and I I love it, like absolutely love it. So I was uh, I came up with uh, Ashley actually at Remax and I came up with real estate. I love it. And we created the little branding thing that you see right behind me. Uh, originally, it was a, it was a heart. And I remember a commercial broker told me one time that it was too fluffy for him. He's like, that's a little too fluffy. <laughs> so I've had some rebranding, Corey. I'm not gonna lie, but um, but I just it, it encompasses everything. It's not a, it's not based on one particular niche. So it was on my business cards, it would say Shelly Hoffman, you know, my Uh, my brokerage, my information. And then there'd be this little logo underneath. It says real estate. I love it. Obviously the Remax logo was, was larger, but this was like my thing. And so same thing. I kind of took that real estate. I love it. And to 315 Realty Partners, but because we were branding 315 Realty Partners, I left this off of a lot of it because we wanted to like, just shout out 315 Realty Partners. So when I started doing the podcast, um, I wanted people like uh, Lenore's been on it a couple of times. I've had other brokers on it. So I didn't really want it to be about 315 Realty Partners. I can take the podcast and I can share it to 315 Realty Partners. But I wanted to have it done a little entity. Uh, That way, when people like uh, Jason Miller, who works for Paragon, he comes on and he's actually we're in a uh, mastermind group. We talk every Monday on Clubhouse the app. And then this coming Monday, we're going to do, it's uh Christy Brightman, Brightman, Jason Miller, Steve Ladd, who's insurance, Rob Just, who is a financial advisor in the area and Dave Ferguson, who's a home inspector. And this Monday, we're going to go live on Facebook and the topic is disclose, disclose, disclose. And it talks about why you need to disclose things. So, so different topics. Sometimes it's the mastermind group and sometimes it's individual, just me, but I think people probably get tired of listening to
0: just me. So, these, these guys <laughs> so the, the podcast is really real estate focused.
1: It is. Yeah. Yep. Gotcha. So I, like I said, I have the other one that's called hard home and community, which is community focused. And then, so I do try and separate a little bit. They over, Oh, so there's two Yeah. There's two. Okay. Yep.
0: Nice. Yeah. And that's like, this a- podcast is just like a giant melting pot of all randomness because I, I don't know. I didn't think I didn't want to do just a real estate podcast. I wanted to be able to have the freedom to like have my friend Mike on or I'm also I'm like really big into martial arts too. So like having uh, like my instructor, I wanted him to share his story, what got him in. Like Absolutely. I didn't want to be so regimented, but I have, a, if you look at my guests, they're like probably 50% real estate people, to be honest.
1: Well, in real estate professionals typically have a different background as well. So you get a little bit of real estate and then you also get another side of their life, you know, because- if you right. just, if you're just real estate, you're going to, you're going to lose your mind probably at 45 or 50 years old and I'm 47. So I'm getting there, but <laughs> but I didn't, so one thing is I read, I, re- I want to create curriculum and the curriculum is real estate. I love it. So I, for me, it made sense to separate out real estate from, and the hard home community is really just Baldwinsville. It's not Liverpool. Oh, yeah. It's not Cicero. It's not, you know, it really is just people.
0: Do you have like a release schedule for these? Are they out like every Monday or is that every other week or?
1: So in January 1st, I do. But by January 7th, I do not. Yep.
0: <laughs> right. And a
1: lot of it is, you know, if I talk to the chief of police, Mike Leffencheck, it's supposed to be the first Monday of every month. However, if something comes up that, you know, I mean, he's the chief of police. So sometimes I'll get a text that Monday morning and say, hey, Shelly, can we reschedule for the next week? Or uh-huh. same thing with Bob Wicks, the town supervisor you know, we were supposed to talk the first of this month and we just end up pushing it to the first of next month. So we try to be consistent, at least when we do. Um, The legislator, Brian May, and I, uh, it was going to be every two months or three months, but depending on the budget and what he has going on for the county legislation, obviously, I think we're going to talk this month, um, the third Thursday, but that's when, so it's always the third Thursday if it's Brian, it's always the first Monday if it's Bob. And, but at the same time, like I said, and even my schedule you know, it, if um, I have it in my calendar as an appointment. So if you called me and said, hey, Shelly, you know, can we set up a meeting for the first Monday of the month at 10? I'd look, I'd see that I have Mike left and check. And I would say, can we do noon instead? I don't yeah. tell you what I have, but I would push that back. Whereas if the police of chief, uh, chief, police chief comes in with a 911, he's not going to say, oh, I got to push you back.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm getting strapped in the car. He's like, "Hold on, let me finish this podcast." Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's cool. So this, like, this is giving uh, you a vehicle to kind of meet your people that are in the community and also kind of share ideas and information.
1: So it started with COVID um, Mm. because I was already talking to business owners. I talked to the library. I talked to Rotary. um, And honestly, if you want to know how the whole thing started, I was doing, um, um, market update videos in the community. So I would walk into apparel brothers, which is an apparel store in Baldwinsville. And I would have Andy, the owner of the store given up, just give an overview of what his business is in the community. And then I would give a market update because I went to Toronto and did a uh, video boot camp. And they said, this is a way to get out in the community. So I'm like, okay, it took me like four months to get up the gumption to go out and do it. But I started doing it. Uh, I did hair salons. I became really good friends with Renee who owns Latresse um, because somebody canceled on me. So I walked in her salon and said, any chance you want to do this today? I'm scheduled to do it. She's like, sure. But what happened was I had gone over to mirror mirror, which is a bridal uh, shop here in Baldwinsville. And um, there was an organization called a cause to celebrate. And they would do uh, a banquet every year. And they would give that money to, um, Like Purpose Farm, which is you know a animal place that helps animals who have been abused, but this year it happened to be the Vera House. So Mm -hmm. I'm standing here with this three bedroom, two and a half bath in my head that I want to talk about, and they start talking about the Vera House and how they're raising money to give you know to the women who have been abused and to who helps and supports them. And live on Facebook, I said, you know what, real estate is not really important when you have a topic like that. So I just kind of dropped it, and that's where I separated. information about the community to get out to the community and real estate became something like a separate identity. So when COVID hit and the police chief and the town supervisor and the mayor were looking for ways to get information out, it really became more about getting information out to the community than it was about real estate. Because at that point there was that, what, two weeks, we were not essential. So we weren't working anymore. But um, So I know that people look at it and think of it as a way of building real estate business, Corey, when I tell you it's fun and I meet people and I'm enjoying it, if I get real estate business from it, it's almost like a, a back door way in that I'm not even looking at.
0: And yeah. Like- that's That was the same thing for the, the podcast. I When 2020 came about, I feel like every year I try to add something to my business. Like I try like this year I'm going heavier into like videos. T- going into 2020, I was like, I want to do a podcast and I want to uh, kind of just talk to different guests and, and originally my manager at the time was like, this would be a great way for you to get real estate business. And I was like, yeah, but kind of, I don't like, that's not like, I want to talk to cool people. Like I just wanted to be, use these as like a vehicle. Like when I grew up, I love this band polar bear club. It's a guy from I uh, it was a band from Rochester. Uh, they were really big. They used to tour everywhere. Um, followed them for so long. And then I, I told him, I was like, Hey, I'm doing a podcast. Uh, Would you want to be like the first video guest that I'm trying out? And he was like, yeah, absolutely. And I got to talk to him for like an hour. I would never have been able to do that. And it wasn't for real estate purpose. I just wanted to talk to him because I was totally fangirling over him the whole entire time I was talking to him. So it's like a lot of times this is just a cool way to like, hey, I've never worked with Shelly before. Let's get to know her a little bit more.
1: Right. And and that's the piece that I I think is, and to me, you can feel the difference when someone's doing it because they're trying to build their business and when Mm. they're doing it because they're enjoying it. But like I said, the business is going to come to you. It's going to flow to you because you're genuine and you have interest in what's going on.
0: Right. I think people can see through a lot of that, you know, a lot of the sales mini kind of thing, you know? So uh, with the podcast, uh, what are the plans to, to grow it in this year? Are you going to pump out more, just get, A wider variety of guests?
1: So we, um, we made a list in December of topics that we want to cover and people that we'd like to talk to. The biggest problem that we have is we were 8am on Monday mornings. We're pretty solid. You know, if the kids have don't have school, sometimes we'll take that Monday off. And it's like I said, we're either on clubhouse or we're Facebook live. But there's a couple of people that I've spoke to in Colorado, like a gentleman out there who's uh, flipping meth houses. We think that would be a great topic to have come on. Wait, but, flipping what? Uh, meth. So. Oh, like the drug meth. meth. hmm Okay, yeah.
0: he's flipping drug houses.
1: Yeah. So, okay. like, he's um, you know, he's he's buying them. They're doing the um, you know, all the and again, I don't know the information because I haven't had the podcast with him yet, but right. they're going through and cleaning it and doing what has to happen, so it's not Damn. this toxic environment. Whoa. But he, you know, at eight a.m. in Colorado, he's not quite ready to.
0: Oh yeah. Right. Right. Um,
1: so, but at the same time, we all have jobs, you know, we are, yeah. um, come nine o'clock, the phones are ringing off the hook and it'd be nearly impossible for all five of us to hop on a Facebook live together again. Right. So that's probably the biggest challenge we face uh, clubhouse. We do enjoy, we get people that pop into the clubhouse time with us. Um, so we try and bring them on to add some stuff to the, to the, to the discussion. But
0: clubhouse is something I've heard of, but I never, uh, never dabbled in clubhouse. Seems like a really cool app. Is it just like a chat room or is it like, uh, I don't know, like, I guess, tell me what it is. I have no idea.
1: So it's pretty much a chat room. So you get invited, which I was, uh, I was lucky. I'm friends with a, a gentleman who was on my podcast. His name's Matt out in Texas. And he seems to always have the ins on what's happening, you know, what's new. Oh. So he gave me the invite to uh, Clubhouse when it was fairly new. And so I kind of sat back and watched for a while to see what would happen. And there's rooms, you pick your top, you know, what you're interested in. But so for me, there's a lot of women in business groups out there. Uh, I hop on sometimes with people that are over in Australia talking about social media and LinkedIn, nice. and I, I've joined their conversations in chat rooms. But basically, there's just a running list of what rooms and what topics are going live at all times. And if you decide you want to follow a particular club or particular speaker, Anytime they're talking live, your phone will notify you that they're in a room and you can hop on. So the nice thing about it is you can be driving um, and just listening to live conversations. The the beauty of it when we're not on Facebook Live and we're in Clubhouse is I can be still be in my pajamas drinking my coffee with curlers in my hair Not that because yeah. nobody right. can see you,
0: right? Yeah, that's the best part. That was mm-hmm. the best part before I used to do the podcast. I would still do it like uh, kind of like this where it'd be more of a Google Meet session. Um mm-hmm then it was just like i'm in my sweatpants i'm chill but now that i'm like now that i put the video on youtube i'm like i should probably look a little bit cleaner now it's going up on youtube <laughs> that's funny okay. we, mm-hmm. have you met anybody that has changed your business practices because of the podcast
1: um so with the podcast for me what it really does is it gives additional information so you know we look at everything from an agent standpoint we talk with the attorneys, we talk with the home inspectors, we talk with the, you know, we talk with everybody. In this case, it's the attorney, the attorney's actually having a conversation with the way a home inspector, Dave Ferguson does stuff. So I, I think what it does is it, it, it opens up our eyes to the whole bigger picture, picture, and it allows me to explain the process to my clients a little bit more because maybe Jason Miller from a lending standpoint is asking questions to the attorney that I never thought of because I would, I would go to Jason, he'd give me an explanation. And then I take that to Christy and she give the explanation, but you're the middleman, right? right? So in this case, you hear the conversation between the two of them and kind of, so I think it takes all our topics to a more deep level. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, so I like that. So I don't know if I've changed my business, but my knowledge base has been very much expanded. Same thing with the insurance aspect of it. You know, yeah. you, we talked about an example where there was an issue with a uh, water damage in a home mm-hmm. and how that affected like post possession, pre-possession, those type things. And then, um, the person had vacancy insurance. So I said to see why wasn't water covered. So you get that insurance piece to, you know, the, the whole big picture. So I, that's why I really enjoy the, um, we call it a mastermind group just to give it a name, but yeah. I enjoy the, the camaraderie of that group.
0: That is cool. What a, what a cool idea, not only to uh, for an education piece, but also just uh, being able to get ideas you wouldn't think of normally. And it's been, uh, I did one podcast where I had two of my friends on. And for me, it was harder to like not step on each other's toes and talk because we all, we all just love conversation. and we just wanted to jump in on it. So we had a hard time not stepping on each other's toes. Does that happen too sometimes?
1: It does. But I think it depends on how you want your pro- your podcast structured, mm, right? Right. Um, so if there's something that somebody, because I am a, I'm a talker, I'm an impulse talker. So you, there might be times where it's just when you have a second, or I just want to add on to that because with five of us or six of us in the room, sometimes you can veer off into a different topic. So there will be a time where someone says, before we leave this topic, um, I have another question. But when we have a guest, like we had Karen Delaney come on and talk about um, trust and how they affect real estate transactions. And that was interesting, again, from the attorney standpoint and, you know, so at the beginning, before we go live, I would say to Rob, you know, and um, Christy, are, think of questions you want to ask. And then when Karen would get done answering a question, you know, I would say, is there another question for Karen? So I would say mm-hmm. probably I'm the, um, what do you call the it? moderator. The moderator. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Nice. That's and that's a good way off. to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way, good way to handle it. With um, the next podcast coming out, are you looking to reach out to more businesses?
1: To, to be on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, even though it's basically real estate, one of the topics, one of the focuses, I think it was Rob, our financial advisor had said even just having more community because real estate, I love it. It Can um, I get people from Florida, California that reach out to me on it, but, um, and we want them to come on, but it can also just be, you know, Baldwinsville businesses and how the real estate market in Baldwinsville is affecting those businesses. Mm-hmm. But, um, but again, I have a separate podcast for the community piece of it. Right. So it just kind of, it just kind of depends, but I'm not opposed to mixing them. Uh, and then just taking the real estate. I love it and throwing it as a shared video on the HHC, which is hard home community page too. So, oh, yeah, we always so you're
0: taking on. your podcast and then sharing it to other sources.
1: Normally it's just within the real estate. I love it because it's mm. focused on that. But if I find that it would be beneficial to the Baldwinsville community, then I would share it to that or um Destination Baldwinsville, any of those um oh. social pages.
0: That's smart. That's that's like one thing I never do with this podcast is I never like promote it to other things other than like post it on my social media. But I really should find like those avenues and post to certain groups because I think it's uh it's a good way for more people to listen to really cool ideas because that's what that podcast is all about at the end of the day, right? Your community and them sharing ideas.
1: Yep.
0: Yeah, that's that's really cool. This was a lot of fun, Shelly. You gave me an hour of your time. You're you're awesome. I appreciate you doing this.
1: Oh, thanks for, thanks for asking me. I mean, I know that, you know, I haven't seen yet on the board, but I'm assuming once we start doing more mixes and stuff, our paths across whoever we'll transaction together, but I love yeah. any way that does videos or podcasts. I just think it's great for our industry to get the information out there. So I'm glad. Yeah, we- I,
0: um, I, speaking of Tom Ferry, he says it's the only, uh, you do video forms. It's your, the longevity versus like a short form is just not there. Like if, You do like a TikTok That's awesome. It's funny. It goes viral. You get a million views. But then after a month, no one ever sees it again. You do a YouTube video educating buyers on like I did one, uh, the five P's of real estate that you can reference constantly over and over again. And also YouTube allows you to kind of still generate those those views. So that's after I was listening to Tom Barry for so long that that was the reason why I wanted to make the shift into more video this year. Because I was like, that's a great idea. I didn't even think of that. Not only can I educate people, but it's also gives me a little bit more longevity with some of the content that you put out.
1: Well, I'll tell you, Steve Ladd uh, over at Haran Insurance, he did a hundred questions in a hundred days. And oh. so he, he did it all in a hundred days and he probably did it maybe two, two and a half years ago, but he can replay those because the answers don't change, right? Right. And if you change, you just have to re-record. like the one about pets. I don't know if you've heard this yet, but insurance, you used to say, if you had a dog, if it was a pit bull, it was a different, um, uh, it was written up differently on the policy than if you just had like a labadoodle, right?
0: Oh, right, right. I
1: mean, that's no longer, there's no more discrimination in dogs. A dog is a dog. Right. So he had a question in his top one in his 100 questions about animals. So he needs to go change. Let's say it's question number 45. He right. now needs to re-record that, but he can replay that content because the content doesn't change. So did he, he
0: do it in all in short form videos? Like it's one video per question. I
1: mean, he did one video a day for hundred nice. days. And then uh, he went, sent it out and got the subtitles. So he puts it on his website. He puts it on his social media pages. And again, it's, it's recorded content that, you know, and unless you're, I don't know how old you are now, Corey, but I'm gonna say you're 30. You know, when you're now
0: 60- on the head, you hit it right on the head.
1: Did I really get?
0: Yeah, you did I'm 30.
1: <laughs> so when you're 60, you don't want to replay your 30-year-old videos, right? But you be able to play them until you're like 40, and then right. maybe you want to re-record them or something.
0: Right. It's like a headshot, right? You want to update your headshot every every five years or whatever, whatever it is. Exactly. You know? Wow. Shelly, you gave me some awesome thing. I, t- I wrote down a bunch of notes. So this was a lot of fun. And I, I thank you for educating me and everybody else that's out there.
1: No, I, I appreciate it. Like I said, somebody gives me an opportunity to talk, Corey. I'm taking it every time. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy the rest of your day.
0: Yeah, you are awesome. Thank you so much, Shelly. Thank you so much for listening to the show. The love and support that you guys show me is such a wonderful thing from the text messages to social media posts. It's just a constant reminder of how many awesome people I have in my life. If you want to support the show, make sure you subscribe, follow, like the podcast. So you don't miss an episode, share it with your friends and tell them what your favorite episode is. If you think yourself or someone you may know would be great on the podcast, reach out to me and we can make it happen. I love putting these out and getting a chance to talk to so many interesting people is so incredible. So thank you for giving me your time and I appreciate you guys more than I can put into words. I love you people very much.